HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by greatbrewers.com, a social media marketing platform dedicated to promoting the world's great brewers and the beers they create. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. You're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.org, a nonprofit member-supported radio station. We're millions strong, with folks tuning in from over 200 countries. We are education. We are entertainment. We are the future of food. May is our membership drive. Become a member and support us while receiving e-newsletters, advanced invites, special discounts, and a membership card. We need your support. Visit our website and click the donate button to become a member today. Thank you for believing in us and enjoy the show. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. It's May 7th, 2013. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and the Good Beer Seal in New York. Thanks to our sponsor, GreatBrewers.com. All right, we had a very special weekend. Uh, Nepenthia, that crazy uh, beer event by Be United up in Connecticut. John Lumbaum's here, and you brought, uh, you brought three different brewers from uh, three different countries. Yeah, you bet, Jimmy. And we had a really fantastic event on Sunday. We had, uh, I think, like 12 or 13 brewmasters present, which was really exciting. We had about 400 people, accounts coming out, wholesalers, consumers. It was really a lot of fun coming up to our place in Oxford. And uh, here in the studio today, we have uh, four of our uh, very bestest friends from around well, the world. Let's go around the room because they all have interesting names. And uh, other than Paolo over here, I can't pronounce it. But say your name and what brewery you're from. Uh, hi, everybody. I'm Paolo Fontana from Baladen Brewery in Italy. All right. And this guy. Hi, I'm Michael from Dentsmude in Denmark. Thanks, Mood, the Mead Company, right? That's correct. And this guy? Hi, I'm um, Rob Lovett from Thornbridge Brewery in Bakewell in Derbyshire. All right, let's raise our glasses. You guys are some of my favorite brewers, and uh, cheers. Right now we're drinking your Thornbridge, uh, is it the Jaipur or the Kipling, Rob? Yeah, we're drinking the Kipling at the moment, which is uh, it's one of our brands that's been really, really successful. It's uh, We call it a South Pacific Pale Ale. It's a single. It's hop just with Nelson Sauvon, which is uh, New Zealand hop. Um, this hop is really um, distinctive. Uh, you guys in the US are probably, you know, you, I mean, the the English and the German hops they're they're kind of boring, and the US the US hops are really exciting. But new on the scene is uh, the hops from Australia and, and New Zealand, and uh, so 
we went over there and we 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 love the Nelson Sauvignon Hop, and uh, we, it's just been an absolute success, particularly in the US. Because I think you guys aren't used to that 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 hop profile. No, I don't think we are, but they're, they're, we've seen more of them. And uh, yeah, these guys are crazy. I got Rob, Michael, and Paulo. Paulo, talk to us. I can't understand you, but I love your accent. <laughs> That's good. What do you want to? I want to. I want to hear about the beers that you make. Uh, okay, is the Baladen Brewery is, uh, starts in 1996, and we brew just ales, uh, different kind of ales. I mean, uh, we we made uh, not hoppy beer. <laughs> That's our specialty. Uh, now the world goes with, with very hoppy beers, but um, all all that the Baladen Brews makes is making beers that are not very hoppy. This is because. One of our goal, one of our first goal is pairing always food and beer. And bitterness is a little bit difficult to make pairings with, with food. So what, what we think is making always no very bitter beers. Very warmy, very involving and different kind of, uh, I don't know, interpretation. Is it? Is it yeah, fair? Okay. Yeah. So when you, when you first started, you were trying to make beers for restaurants, right? In Italy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, um, I didn't start the brewery. It was the owner. I am the adjusted brewer. But one of the goals of the brewery has always been uh, making beer for going in restaurants. Because in, in Italy, we don't have a real uh, beer culture. So, uh, and we have wine culture. So everybody, when... Uh, takes better a glass of wine than a glass of beer when he's going at the restaurant or going having a, a aperitif. And so a, a, and so this is why we make beers in this way. They are dressed like a wine wine bottles and so on. And wh- what's this one? It's the Baladin Super. What is that? Uh Baladin Super is Baladin Super. <laughs> <laughs> super Baladin. <laughs> no, I mean it's a kind of a uh, Abbey Ale, 8 ABV, Amber Ale, very sweet, very smooth, fruity. Uh, wa- uh, one of my our most success- successful uh, brands uh, is the, maybe is the beer that make the Baladen famous in Italy. I mean, uh, because till now there's customers that comes to the bar to our uh, historical restaurant. And it's now the Baladen starts in 1996 for the production. It's 17 years, and uh, they just drink super Baladen. That's great. Maybe they are addicted. <laughs> That's good for us. And John, um, you guys really at Bean United, you've put together this really interesting collection of uh, brewers from different countries. That what's what's the connection? You know, do you, you're looking for certain small breweries or. Some esoteric thing or what? Well, you know, at Be United, we do end up working with a lot of very, very small, very artisanal you know, producers. I mean, in the case of Michael and Don Scamiot, it's really a one-man operation. Um, I'd say that more than anything else, we're looking for the quality of the liquid. I mean, we are approached on a daily basis by <laughs> many, many, many breweries that would love for us to represent them in the U.S., but it's just not fair to our existing breweries. And unfortunately, the bar for bringing a product into the American market and it competing well is getting very, very high. Um, and we're proud of the quality of the liquid that we get to represent in the States and are very honored to work with the brewmasters that we can. And so it's also, Michael, why don't you say hello again? You're Dansk Mood. Yeah. That's correct, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, for some reason I thought your, your, your label was about, like, blood. 
like dark, dense blood. And I didn't even know it was meat until today. Yeah, well, for most people, meat is seen as some sort of uh, ancient beer, actually. But but the thing is that it's only made out of honey as the only uh, product that contains sugar. So so it has absolutely nothing to do with beer. But still, people compare it with beer. And, and, and it works well with beer if you mix it. If you do uh, around 20% uh, meat and 80% beer, you actually end up getting something that we have been doing in Denmark for over a thousand years. So it's more or less the first cocktail <laughs> what of do you, the world. What do, you, what do you call that drink? <laughs> yeah, well, it has different names, but uh, one of the names in, in, in Danish is called Mjøl. How is called? Paolo. I want Paolo to say that. Mjøl. Mjøl. Öl. See? Yeah, or or it has a, another name called Mjelske. Mjelske? Yeah. That right. works <laughs> quite well. So. Easy for a Northwestern Italian that yeah. speaks Piemontese, that is a patois similar to French. So. <laughs> All right, yeah. But, but what, what, what we are most concerned about in the brewery, and, and as John was saying, that we have been existing for almost 60 years, and, and it's still a one-man operation. Because we, uh, you're the one I, man. I, I'm per- yeah, I am. So who did it before you? Yeah, well, there was a, a guy doing it for around twenty years, and we built up an apprenticeship or whatever you call it. And I was in being educated by him for around two years. And and the thing is that you have a lot of technology for making beer, and you can make very good beer. But when it comes to meat, there's absolutely nothing. So we are developing it. The techniques and and uh, technology for it ourselves, and and that's what makes the difference between some of the meats we are making and and some of the meats you find elsewhere. Now, Michael, maybe you can speak a bit um, about the the strength of your meats. I mean, we have meats from all over the world at varying strengths, but yours are very very strong, very sweet, but also you use hop stuffs at the bitterness. Yeah, Th- that's correct. And 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 one of the main reasons for the added alcohol. Uh, level is actually that when we are working with honey a lot of the flavor is attached to the sugar in the honey so if we want to ferment all of the honey and all all the sugar in the honey we end up getting something that's quite uninteresting so in order to preserve that flavor we need to stop it at a certain stage and 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 add alcohol and and it's not a unknown technique because if you talk sherry in Spain or port wine in Portugal, it's it's the same technique, although it was meant for being something to preserve, uh, to pre- pre- preserve the product, and that was why you were adding it. Um, so this is one of the meads. Did everyone get to try it? Oh uh, yeah, this is the uh, Dansk Viking blood. All right. Yeah, and 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 the Viking blood is made the the primary ingredients in. In terms of spices, is is actually uh, hibiscus, where it actually gets its name from because it's slightly red. But at the same time, we we would like to think of a name where you could actually that it could be used in several languages without having to. Um, Vikings blood. Yeah, be, be, because uh, as as you heard earlier, perhaps Paolo is very good at pronouncing some of the names, but. 
but in generally <laughs> we, we, we have some letters that are very hard to uh, to pronounce so so making it that bit easier so uh, rob you're here in new york uh hanging out with the be united guys uh-huh. do you guys learn from each other you know this you've got a, a danish mead maker an italian brewer um crazy americans yeah you <laughs> yeah you always learn from from other brewers i mean that's one thing i've always it's an industry where i mean other industries i, I think people kind of a bit more secretive but brewers are generally really really open people and i mean i've i've written to people i've been to this is my fifth time in america mostly west coast first time to the east coast but uh i've written to to brewers before and uh asked them about a rest a beer that i really enjoyed and they told me exactly how they did it and uh which is just it's unheard of you know so yeah it's great meeting with these guys and 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 asking them and learning the techniques that they they've used to make such great beers yeah I have a basic question for you, like because I don't I don't make beer and I don't export, but you're making beer in England, uh-huh. and you've got these importers like Be United, and uh-huh. they're coming to a place like New York. I mean, how, how do you how are you involved in that process? You know, you're just making the beer. Are you are you putting it in, in cask? Are you putting it in kegs? You know, what what's your relationship to the end product? You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, yeah, I know exactly yeah. what you mean. But and um, we we chose Be United because they, you know, they, they, what they're doing is brilliant. They're not just in that, you know, they really they they care about the beer and they're passionate about the beer just as we are. Um, and um, what I really like about Be United and Matthias is they take our beer in a tanker. Uh, it's chilled all the way over, and then it's processed and kegged, and so it's as fresh as it can be. Because that's what always worries me about. Uh, our beer. I, I want the. I want the consumer to taste our beer as, as it was intended to be. You know, really fresh. Which is, you know, beer should be drunk fresh. Particularly, well, not all beer, but you know, uh, hop-driven beers should be drunk fresh. And Be United do a really good job of bringing it over in the tanker and, um, and then packaging it. And, and I've tasted it here, and and, and I because I was a little bit reserved about it. I was thinking, mm, how's it going to taste? Is it going to be as fresh as I'm? as it should be, and uh, yeah, it has been. It's, I've, been, I've been really pleased with it. And John, how many breweries are, are you guys shipping over in tankers? And, and You're kegging in Connecticut, right? Yeah, our facility is in Oxford, Connecticut. We, um, I always get this number wrong. I think at this point we have seven bulk tank containers. Each one has four compartments of 3,500 liters. Uh, each compartment in each tanker is separately regulated as to temperature and pressure, so... We have one tank container that just goes back and forth to Japan for filling up with uh, kegs at the Hidachino Brewery. Um, we have a tanker that pretty much goes back and forth to the UK for Thornbridge and for breweries like Harveston and some smaller breweries there that we're starting to work with. Um, we send one back and forth to Germany, one back and forth to Belgium, and one back and forth to Italy for Baladin, etc. Um, we're actually very, very excited. At some point this year, I hope we're getting a 3,500-liter compartment of Viking blood. That's correct. Awesome. Within the next uh, 30 days. Oh, my God. At that's, that's so plan, exciting. So. Yeah, I keep, I keep hearing about that plan, though. <laughs> but, yeah, we're going to be doing 20-liter um, pins and maybe some uh, very slightly carbonated kegs of Viking blood, which is really exciting. We're bringing in beer from 12 or 13 different countries, and we're trying to get as many of the breweries that we work with involved in this project as we can. All right. I want to talk about Paolo from Baladin. So, Paolo, you come to New York sometimes. Yeah. Tell us what you like about New York and what places do you go to. Uh, what I like about New York, I don't know. Uh, I come from. Um, uh, oh, let me talk about where I come from before talking about New York. I come from um, the village where there's the brewery is 800 people. 
included cats and chickens. <laughs> so, when you come to New York, there's something different. Everything is different. Everything is so tall. Everything is so big. The street, the that is so much people. So, what can I say? Uh, New York is. Uh, it's also in the um, something that each Italian or each people in the world is like a mythological city. Uh, it's the Big Apple. It's famous all around the world. So. What can I say about New York? New York is exploding. New York is um, is a kind of mecca for for beer, for craft brewing. You can go in a lot of bars, and you can find a lot of different craft brewers, different kind of beer. So it's what can I say for a brewer is a it's a paradise. <laughs> uh, so, and when I go when I come to New York City, well. Whatever, uh, okay. Uh, of course, I go back back up to the roof garden of. Uh, I can I say Italy, New York. Sure, man. Okay, uh, we have a little brewery upstairs there in collaboration with Dogfish Head and Piotr Bogo. Then we brew some seasonals and so on, and then go around Ginger Man and b- good bars in Brooklyn as well. I can't remember all the names. Sorry about that, but uh, so it's it's fantastic going in New York. All right. But Wait one second. We are just shaping the scene here tonight. We've got some interesting people here from Italy, Denmark, England, and America. And we'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. In the garden, an old pair of jeans, and she smiled at the sun. You're listening to Persephone by The Hollows on the Heritage Radio Network.org. She wiped the And she was taken from me Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. What a show we have. It's been a big weekend in New York. We had the Food Book Fair. I was hanging out at the Hotel Wyeth all weekend. We've got uh, the guys from Be United here. We've got Simon from Thornbridge Hall and Rob. We've got Paolo from Baladin and Michael from Dansk Mood, the meat guy. Um, and we have some other guests, too, calling in in a few minutes. But right now we're drinking some other Be United beers. Uh, our, our, our new buddies, Michael Brooks and Brian Linder, just walked in from... Uh, Bedvine, they're opening Bedvine Brew very soon. So hello, Michael, and hello, Brian. We're going to talk to you a little more later in the show, but I wanted to say hi to you guys. Hey, how's hello, it going? How you All doing? right. Thanks for having us on. Okay. And you guys brought in some, some Be United beers, too. What did you bring, Brian? I brought over uh, Professor Fritz Bream 1809, beautiful example of a Berliner Weiss with a little bit more ABV as a typical Berliner Weiss. Um, I think it's beautiful with the champagne-like bubbles. It's a great sipper for this temperature in the season. Uh, the other beer that I brought over is uh, brewed by Mr. Hans-Peter Drexler over there at the Schneiderweiss Brewery. we got the Edelweiss, the organic Edelweiss. I consider that a transition from the Aventinus into the springtime. Still got more of a malt profile to it, a little bit more ABV, but, man, is it smooth. It's got a beautiful clove note, a little bit of cracked pepper. 
I think it's lovely. It's a great. Now, Brian, decision. you, you ran a, a tasting room for well, right? At, at Radagast, were you the tasting manager? Yeah, I did. It was uh, it was a whole lot of fun over there, and that's actually where I met John. He was kind enough to introduce me to my Nelson Savin. Oh, uh, the, yeah, the Schneider Nelson Savin beer. Yeah, yeah. He was, um, you know, it's funny. The Wies- uh, Radagast right now, um, our good friends at Radagast are actually featuring the Wiesen Edelweiss for the season, which is fantastic. Oh, but it's actually Schneider's Oktoberfest beer. Um, Wiesen means meadow, which in uh, sort of uh, Bavarian is sort of slang for Oktoberfest, and then Edelweiss meaning special vice. So it's the special vice beer for Oktoberfest. All right. But made and, with Cascade hops. And Michael, so you guys are opening Bedvine Brew. And, and when and where will that open? It's going to open in bed It's going to open in the beginning of June. And um, we're doing a, like a little bit new concept, basically. We're going to be a retail store, but it's going to be disguised as a, as a tavern and a place for people to hang out. And so... <clears throat> I came up with the concept because we opened up Bedvine Wine about a year and a half ago. And, you know, we met a lot of people in the neighborhood and talking to a bunch of people, you know, we kept hearing there needs a, there's a big demand for, you know, a craft beer store in, in Bed-Stuy. You know, they get to go to the bodegas to get, you know, their Budweiser and Coors, but they don't want that. They want some stuff that's artisanal. And, you know, at Bedvine Wine, what we do is we focus in on providing experience and providing wines that you can't find anywhere. You know, it's an expression of the maker of the wine. And so now we're going to integrate that with craft brew. And it's going to be an interesting um, concept, and I can't wait for you know people to be able to see the place when it, when we open up. And we got Brian. We brought Brian on board because Brian, you know, he knows the stuff about brew, and you know it's going to be a match made in heaven because he's going to we're going to have a fantastic setup lineup for of beer in that store. All right, we're going to talk a little more with you guys, but just so you know, um, I know that our, our producer Bree is going to tweet some pictures of uh, the construction going on there. Because I know it's going to be a very cool place. Right now, we've got a call-in guest. So everybody be patient because uh, sometimes it's a little bit of delay on the air. But uh, Blue Jacket Brewing there in D.C., uh, I got to try some of their collaborations when I was down in D.C. for the Craft Brewers Conference. Um, hi, uh, is it Greg and Megan, are you on the air? Yep. yep, I'm here. All right. So tell us a little bit about what, what you guys have uh, coming in the works. I got to try some of your collaborations uh, when I was at Church Key in D.C. recently. Um, so tell me, tell us the plans because you're actually you're building your brewery still. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, we're um. So Blue Jacket is something that's grown out of Church Key and Birch and Barley uh, in Washington D.C. and it's a project that we've been working on, really going back to 2006. And we found a great space right by National Stadium. Um, it's going to be this beautiful um, brewery, restaurant, and bar uh, right in the heart of D.C. Uh, really concentrating on, on a lot of, uh, of rotation of our beers. You know, we're kind of trying to bring a, a kind of rotating beer bar experience to a place where we're brewing our own stuff. All right. And uh, the collab- I had a couple of collaborations of yours. Um, so, so before you actually are open, you've been collaborating, right? <laughs> that's obvious. Yeah, yeah that's kind of been our model, you know, our model for, which is a pretty unique way to go about opening. I mean, we have had a lot of, lucky to have a lot of, you know, a, attention to, to our whole project, you know, because of, you know, the, especially the program that Greg has built at Church Key over the past four years. There's been a lot of interest about around the brewery that, you know, that he envisioned from the start. So instead of just letting this all be a whole lot of, I know, hype about what what we're going to be doing. We've been backing it up with having you know having us go out work with you know some of our you know best friends and colleagues in the industry to keep you know, releasing beers you know as collaboration projects with you know, with our you know our our friends and partners in the industry. So there keeps you know, we, we're giving the public 
something to look forward to, not just not just oh, yeah. uh, you know the promise of hey, there's going to be great beer, but so hey, t- here it is. So tell us a couple of the the breweries that you've collaborated with. Well, I think, Jimmy, you would have probably tasted the um, Fisco Cliff IPA that we brewed. Um, that was a, a collaboration with Three Floyds, Revolution, and Half Acre uh, out of Chicago. It was just a kind of a classic American IPA. And then uh, more recently, we did uh, a beer with um, Jeff O'Neill at Peak Skill. Uh, and Jason Perkins came down from Allagash. We did a beer called Share the Rainbow, um, which, uh, which is fantastic. We, we were able to utilize uh, Jeff's cool ship at Peekskill because we're going to have a cool ship at Blue Jacket as well. So that's the other thing that's been great about collaborations is it's offered an opportunity for Megan to really kind of get her hands dirty and, and do a lot of, uh, you know, kind of research and, and evaluate uh, things that we're going to want to do later on. So tell us a little bit about your cool ship and barrel aging program that you'll have at Blue Jacket. Well, the cool ship is actually going to be uh, situated in the one area of the building that actually has louvered windows. So just the way the whole building's set up, everything else is enclosed, but there is one space where we can actually you know bring in you know the fresh air and the you know the bacteria and wild yeast that are going to be you know going to be naturally around us and you know inoculate the cool ship from there in that same space or at least adjoining it is where we're going to have one of our barrel areas and since you know the cool ship can definitely bring in uh you know bring in you know, the bacteria that's where we're going to keep our our wild barrel area so that's all sort of segregated to you know to one area on the other side of the second floor separate from that is where we're going to have a non-wild uh set of barrels i think at this count greg if uh, i think i'm correct that we're going to we're looking at 66 barrels between the two spaces yeah, that's that's our on-site barrel um, storage uh, capability when we start. Yeah, you know, uh, Greg. Just so you know, when you're on the air, it sounds like you're calling from NASA. You got this, <laughs> <laughs> and I get there's some cool guys here. Since so, since you guys are, are, we have a special show tonight. We got we got Paolo. He's the brewer from Baladin in Italy, and we got uh, Rob. He's the brewer from Thornbridge in England. Uh, Megan, do you want to ask them any questions? Oh gosh, I wouldn't even know where to start at the moment. I didn't know I'd even have an opportunity. It's great to it's great to meet you guys over the phone at least so, tonight. Nice Very lovely. <laughs> but uh, oh my gosh! The next time you're in DC, definitely look us up, and we can we can try to put something together. Definitely. So one thing I, I noticed when I was in DC, so the the laws are different, right? So at Church Key, you guys can get any licensed American brewery because you're in the federal district, right? You don't need to have a special well, actually, state yeah, that's a great that's a great question, um, and it is something that is, uh, is really interesting. So what Washington, D.C. has is a direct import law. So what I can do at Church Key um, is I can bring in beer from all over the world or all over the country, um, and I don't necessarily have to go through uh, a distributor. Um, which also means that the franchise laws are very lax. So it's not as if I wanted to, you know, you know for instance, like when we go out to um, Chicago and brew our collaboration beer, we brought that directly into Church Key along with a host of beers from the other breweries, uh, which is really, really awesome. It's funny, though, because, you know, and Jimmy, as, as a publican yourself, uh, I talk to a lot of people in the beer bar industry, and they're always like, they always act like they're really jealous, like, this would be so awesome if I could just bring in beers from all over the place. But the fact of the matter is, is that a lot of the breweries that we can't get aren't here because they don't have the beer to send us. Um, and, you know, with shipping and freight, beer is not that much cheaper directly brought to, to the bar than it is to get it through the distributor, unless you're buying in, you know, in bulk package and things like that. 
Yeah. Well, it's still neat, though. When you go to, some, you know, you go to Church Key, you can just see all these different breweries that, that we don't get to see in New York. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah that is. That's cool. Yeah. All right. Well, pa- Paolo, I, I, I want you guys to meet him sometime. Uh, do you ever go to D.C., Paolo? What? Uh, D.C.? Do you know D.C.? You've been to D.C.? I love you, man. We've got, <laughs> Paolo is this guy from a little town in Italy that he's making beer at Baladine in New York and Rome. D.C. is the District of Columbia. Yes, yeah, sir. Okay. But have you been to D.C.? No, never. You got to go. We Wouldn't you guys like to have Baladine? I will. I will. We, we have to get you down. It's a wonderful market for yeah. Baladine. We sell a lot of your beer down there. There are really some uh, very, so very fantastic go. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, Rob, at Thornbridge, have you been to D.C.? No, not at all. No. Not yet. No. So you got you got. Yeah, Megan. We actually have coalition on cask right now. Oh really? Yeah. Uh, oh great! That was a beer I was really really happy with. So Rob, what's the coalition? Uh, the coalition is a beer that we we uh, it was a collaboration with Terrapin, um, and it's an Imperial Rye ESB. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's a uh, category that actually exists, but it works. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of rye there. Um, and one thing that we're really keen on at Thornbridge is we propagate a new yeast. We've got a propagation system, and we've generally got a new yeast going every week. Um, so, yeah, we, we did the Fuller's ESB yeast, which is something I'm really keen on. Because we, we, Ameri- we use an American uh, yeast for, for a lot of our bottle and keg, which is a really neutral blank slate, which allows the hops to really show, you know, to, to, um, to, to, well, to do what they do well. And... Um, and then for our cast beers, uh, we use an, an English English strain, and an English strains are, are, are where, it, in a lot of ways, it's where it's at. I think, um, and um, we, we we use the the, the Fuller's ESB strain for that beer, uh, and it, and we dry hopped with Citra as well. So, um, yeah, I was just absolutely blown away with that with that beer. It was great in cask and in ke- and in keg. Yeah. Well, you guys, hope you guys can get uh, Paolo from Baladine down there. To uh, collaborate with you. Are you going to do any collaborations at the, at the brewery, yeah. Megan? Oh, yes, absolutely. That's been part of our, you know, part of the plan from the start is, as, you know, in addition to, you know, doing this as, as part of our opening, uh, you know, you know, sort of the, you know, the, the, the lead up to the opening, you know, which has been great for me to be able to stay, you know, active in breweries and not just, uh, not just sort of, you know, languish between having been in a brewery for a while and then going through the construction process. We want to make, you know, Blue Jacket be a destination and have it be the kind of place where you know where people we're doing you know, we're we're making you know such you know interesting and outstanding and fa- and delicious beers that that people want to come not just to drink not just to eat but to come and you know and and work with us and you know and take advantage of the the flexibility and freedom that we have with the system that we're putting in and that's a, that's a great point that Megan makes. I mean, we, we're start. We're, this is actually it's a brewery, um, uh, restaurant, and bar, but it's also a production facility. I mean, we can do five thousand barrels um, at this brewery. So we're going to be, you know, selling a lot of our beer on site. We're going to have fifteen of our own beers on at all times. But we're also going to be doing some mild distribution. Um, and one of the cool things about the tank space that we have, we have uh, nineteen unique fermentation uh, vessels that we're starting with. Is that we can let the beers condition as long as they need to condition. Uh, we can always have the ability for rotation and trying out new things. But we like to think that if somebody just shows up in D.C. one day and wanted to do a beer, we could probably find space to do it. I mean, we've already got a couple um, uh, 
breweries coming up. Uh, Anne Katrine uh, from uh, DeLowens is going to be coming in. We're going to be doing a beer with her in June. Uh, Urbane Coteau from Strusa at the end of, of June. And then I think we're going to do one with Sebastian Sala from uh, Flygeist as well uh, in early July. So we're, we're going to keep going with the collaboration for sure. Greg, that's awesome. Listen, thanks so much for calling in. We're going to get you guys up to New York sometime, and we'll have you on the show. And sometime soon, we'll be down in DC. So, uh, when is Blue Jacket opening, Greg? When is Blue Jacket opening? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Blue Jacket uh, should be opening uh, July or August of uh, this summer. Coming out. We're coming down, all right? Okay. Thanks right. so much. Okay. All right. We'll see so you So, here we are. We've got too. this all star crew here today. We've got Bob Ladine. We've got Bedvine Brew. We've got Dansk Mead. And a Thorn Bridge and Be United. So, hey, we'll take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. You're listening to Three Months, Three Years by The Hollows on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Like what you hear so far? Support the network and become a member. Membership helps us bring you the best food radio in the world and gives you access to thousands of dollars in discounts at the sustainably-minded businesses that support us. To become a member, visit heritageradionetwork.org today. Breaks your heart in two. Oh, darlings, we love you. Your lips are parched. Please do not quench them with your teeth. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We're at Roberta's in, in Brooklyn, and it's the Heritage Radio Network. It's the month to become a member. Go to heritageradionetwork.org. I'm a member. I'm, I'm member number 501, which I think it means I'm the number one member. Um, you, you can figure that one out. But it's a great, great thing to be part of. And there's a dinner coming up May 19th, the Hawaiian barbecue. It's going to be here at Roberta's. Uh, you're going to get a lot of special. I bet Michael Brooks from Bedvine Brew. I bet you, you're going to be a Heritage Radio Network member soon, aren't you? Absolutely. Yeah, man, you got to do it. You can do it as a business and as an individual. So, all right, and thanks for our sponsor, greatbrewers.com. It's all about the beer. Uh, check out the beer cloud. I, have, I haven't checked that out in a couple of days, but um, whenever you want to find out uh, where you can get your beers, like when Bed, when Bedvine Brew opens up, you can be able to say, hey, what beers are going on? I don't know. Do you guys check out uh, the, the beer cloud on the greatbrewers.com app? I've checked it out uh, once, and I checked it out, I think it was a couple of months ago. Um, Love to get back into checking it out. Don't really know much about it. Yeah, I, th- I think it's uh, something that can help you guys as as a retailer. So, all right. So, Baladine, everybody. So, what are you going to do uh, when you open Bedvine Brew, uh, Brian? You're going to work with some of these specialty brands. What well, kind of list are you going to have? Well, of course, the uh, the idea of the list is to bring in things that are still affordable to a newly gentrifying neighborhood such as Bedsty, and to give people an opportunity to drink things that aren't the Miller High Life or the Coors Light of the realm that happens to pop up in every single deli. Every so often, the, the way that bedside has been working in the last two years, I would have to go hunt. I would go to one deli, walk right out with nothing. Go to another deli, walk right out with nothing. And every so often, when a good beer did come through, you'd cut, try to beeline and always go to that deli, and it, it was just a hit or miss. It, it, was, it was never fully in stock all the time. And I was getting really frustrated. I said, man, this neighborhood really needs a proper beer store, retail, and then I got the opportunity when I started talking to Michael 
uh, I met him over at Saragina Restaurant, and he said, you know, man, we're really thinking about opening up this, this nice craft beer store. I think it's a perfect neighborhood for it. And, well, looking around, the closest beer store that I could even think of was all the way over in Park Slope. So that worked perfect. Um, the cool thing about this concept is that it takes away the retail aspect. Even though it's there and people can still walk in, buy a growler, and leave, the feel of the place, using reclaimed wood from upstate, doing it strategically, getting kind of like art installations as the walls because the wood is so beautiful and old, it's going to feel like a cozy gentleman's lounge. So who, who is in charge lounge. of the design? Well, basically, I'm the guy in charge of the whole concept, but I use three different designers for each different phase of it. And right now, I'm, I must say, it is working out really nice. And when we do open, people are going to be very, very surprised about what we're going to open up and what product we're going to deliver. Because I think that, you know, being in that neighborhood, people aren't used to, you know, seeing things that exceed expectations. And I really, really, truly believe that we will be able to exceed expectations at Bedvine Brew. Okay, so let's talk about the beers from Be United. There's some real esoteric stuff, Zymator series, some real specialty things. You got the Danks Mood, the, the Mead from Denmark. Which of these products would you say you're putting your first list together when you open up Bedvine? Yep. Which of the, the beers here today would, would you put on the list? Well, I was instantly sold simply by the aroma of your Kipling there from Thornbridge. That was very impressive. I was actually reminded of almost the sourness of a lactic acid bacteria in there when I first smelled it. And when I tasted it, I said, wow, nothing like the smell. Aroma carried full through with a, not as much of a bite, not as aggressive as you, all, uh, as you all said earlier in the show. You know, one thing that's so amazing about the Kipling, I was saying this off air, is that the hops from New Zealand get so much terroir on them. You can, it, that, that I get so much uric acid off those hops. It's almost like a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc that... Uh, if I could say cat urine kind of aroma, sort of really intense. Yeah, yeah. They, they say cat piss. That's yeah. I didn't know if I could say that. Which is not a radio. bad thing. No, it's 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 just so speaks to where those hops come from. It's incredible. Not Michael how much it Michael Brooks, Bedvine Brew. Hey. <laughs> so and talk about Nelson uh, Paulo at Baladine. Did you guys make a Nelson Sauvin beer? Yeah. What did, what did, what did you name it? Nelson. That's so easy. Uh, yeah. We. We discovered the Nelson Sauvain just because um, we were thinking something new, some, some new hops. And once uh, we get uh, on the internet, ah, in New Zealand, someone is going hops. Ah, oh, I see. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Paulo, so these guys are opening a new, a new beer shop. Uh, pick two of your beers, your like, most popular and your favorite from Baladin that they should carry. Uh, absolutely, Nora and uh, Super Baladin. Baladin, Nora, Baladin, Super. And uh, Michael from Dansk Mood. Actually, uh, if I could jump in real does. quick. Part of the issue, um, we it, the laws are different in every state in the United States. In uh, New York City, beer stores can't carry mead. Uh, mead in New York State is classified as a wine product. So we may have to put this in your wine outlet as opposed to your beer outlet. Well, actually, we have a tavern license, so we actually we could put it in the Bedvine Brew, but we just would have to pour it by the glass. Yeah, so which the, you know is totally acceptable. with a tavern totally license. Fun. It's it's wow, interesting. But tell us, what would you like to see in their stores? <coughs> well, I would like to see the Viking blood to begin with, because it would be very nice, just to give an idea of of what mead actually is. But then I would 
definitely consider uh, another mead called um, Old Danish mead that has a touch of ginger to it so it would work very well with a light seasonal pilsner for the blend one thing I, one issue I have with some meads that that I've tasted in America is they blend in fruit juice and nope. do you do that no nope. no nope. seems like a cheap no, cheap version yeah of it. but 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 not at all in order to, to, to make a good mead, I would use around half a kilo of honey for making one liter of mead. And I don't use anything artificial. And, and in fact, we're we are trying to, to set up our is already doing so in, in Kenya uh, and, and apiary. And in, in order to get honey that's of the highest quality. Um, and hopefully we'll come to a point where we can do it entirely organic because that would be uh, something that we would be very much into. Yeah, uh, Michael, you just were telling me about this at the Nepenthe the other day. I had no idea that you were setting up a company in Kenya to, <laughs> to harvest honey. <laughs> that's that's really quite an undertaking. Yeah, well, the, the thing is we we expect that it will take about four or five years. But 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 for us, everything is a is a long term process. So so we we, we are not into making uh, uh, making a lot of meat in a short period of time because the meat we make would generally be in 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 storage for around one year before we would bottle it. And and and. The experience we have gained over the last less than 60 years is, is that whenever you try to increase your production, the only, uh, well, perhaps your bank account will be bigger, but you can be quite sure that the quality in general will go down. And if it's beer or if it's salami or whatever, generally, if you want to put in more machinery and, and you want to do more of that, the quality would suffer, and 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 we are not interested in doing that. So that's the one man operation idea. Yeah, as far as the supply and production, um, where are you getting most of your honey now? Well, the thing is that that um, I, I I could actually do a light uh, smoky uh, meat if I wanted to, just by using uh, a particular honey. So for different meats, I would use. Uh, different types of honey because it would depend if you are picking the honey from a forest it will have particular flavors if you're picking it from a coastal area where you would have a lot of fog drifting in with a with a lot of salt that will affect the honey as well so all these factors makes into uh, we uh, we end up blending actually the meat or, or, or the honey in order to get um, in order to get the right honey but but as as you probably know um, at the moment uh, beekeepers all over the world are struggling with a lot of problems uh, with pesticides and and bees are dying for no apparent reason so Brian one thing I would like to comment on based on what he just said there seems to be a, a market shift in all markets over to quality now. There seems to be people who are thoroughly paying attention not to their bank accounts. Sure, that in the end, that's going to happen. But if you stick to a principle of quality, then you're going to deliver a product that you feel good and you can rest easy at the end of the night delivering. I was introduced to that with Bar Hill Honey 
up in the uh, Northeast Kingdom in Vermont. The same idea with them. They was a humble beekeeper, 48 years of beekeeping. He delivers raw honey, unpasteurized, no pesticides. It's all a biodynamic farm, and the difference is just outstanding. We know them, Todd Hardy, and they also make great spirits too, Catalonian spirits. So we're going to get to that. And Rob from Thornbridge, what uh, favorite beer and what just like standard beer from Thornbridge would you recommend for uh, Bedvine's first beer list? Well, Jaipur's our hero brand, uh, and I think you guys, that's a beer that's readily, re- readily available. And, um, yeah, so Jaipur and then I'd say Kipling, which we've been tasting today, yeah. That's the beer. And anything else, like, super special coming down the road that we might be able to get in New York? Uh, I don't know if I can say this, but we've been working on um, some sour beers as well. And, um, yeah, I think... Uh, They've been in 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 wood for the last two years, and uh, we're going to bottle them in the next few weeks. And I think uh, Be United are going to take them from us. Well, at least half of it. So, um, yeah, that's the, that's the, that's our big project. Brian, no, no, we'll take all of it. Every every last ounce. <laughs> Brian, for in terms of trends, uh, you know, things that you really think you're going to move a lot of, or, or your favorite styles of beer right now. What do you like? Oh, favorite styles of beer right now. I was impressed with a, a commit, any, any commitment to quality that any brewmaster has come out with. And the most advertised commitment to quality program that came out most recently was the Pilsner Kel commitment to quality, where they got everything delivered as fresh as possible so that it tasted the same in the Czech Republic as it did over here in America. And I want to follow that same trend. I want to have – the way that I see this list going is, sure, you're going to have your session beers. You're going to have uh, – with 10 taps with growlers going, have some, some cheap quality session beers and then have a few taps that really represent, um, for instance, the sour that you guys are referring to, something like that, something that people can really pour straight off the tap, enjoy fresh, and really have a quality beer to go with. Um, I'd also like to rotate in rare bottles. That, to me, is a very interesting concept that I don't see many uh, beer stores doing where it's a constant random rotation based on the emails that we get from Be United right as these things are coming in. Guess what we just got off the ship? It would be really cool to stock beers such as those as well. Can you tell us a little bit about those beers, John? Oh, I mean, which one? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I guarantee you if it's rare, we'll get it for I'm, I'm gonna, I, Just so you know, these guys mostly pre-sell. So I, I get emails a month, two months out, and they tell me what's coming in, and I, I, I say yes. And then two months later, it shows up. And that's why so we love you, Jim. That's the only way to get their good beers. But last thing, I want to talk to Paolo because he's got this great accent. It's from a small town of 800 people and chickens. But, <laughs> but where is Baladin? It's in Italy, but what town is it in? Uh, the Baladin is a Piozzo. That is a small, small village uh, in northwest of Italy, 80 kilometers in the south of Torino. Uh, from, and we are in the, near the, the vineyards. So from Barolo, where I produce the wine, we are 10 minutes. So from the brewery, you can see all the vineyards. Uh, I know about Torino. When Italy was first independent after Garibaldi, <laughs> Torino was the capital, right? Bravo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so tell us more about it. Last thing. One of our favorite beers that everyone knows, the Baladin Noel. comes out at Christmas. You know, uh, tell oh. us about that beer, how you made that beer. Uh, okay, what is my favorite beer in the world? I don't know. What is my favorite beer in Baladen? Depends. If I woke up 
and I put down the left feet or the right feet in, down the bed. If they say in the evening I had chicken or beef, depending, all the day changes. Okay, that's a good answer. <laughs> well, I think that's the last thing we're going to have anybody say today because we've got like th- four different countries in the room and uh, some guys from uh, Bedvine Brew opening up soon and Be United. So, guys, uh, thanks so much. We'll s- let you know it's National Homebrew Day if you're not a homebrewer. Go find someone who is and drink their beer. All right. And American Craft Beer Week is coming up, too, May 13th and 19th. Go to craftbeer.com. And we're trying to push Savor. Savor is coming to New York. Uh, that's a special event that had been in D.C., and now it's in New York. And we're going to have a few special things going on, including June 11th. We're going to have the premiere of uh, Beer Hunter Movie, which is a movie about Michael Jackson. And a number of Long Island breweries will be doing things in New York City to, to welcome Savor to New York. So you can learn more about all these things on goodbrewseal.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors at greatbrewers.com have helped to bring this podcast to you tonight. And if you like this podcast, give us a good review on iTunes. All right, thanks to Simon and Rob, Paolo, Michael, Michael, Brian, Megan and Greg, and John Lumbaum for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Jack Inslee, Brie O'Connor, and our engineer, Joe Galarraga. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.